0: Stu does America, the state of the race. Welcome to the state of the race. It is January 16th, 2024, 294 days until the general election, 39 days until South Carolina, and only seven days, one week until the New Hampshire primary. What's to come up in this episode? Well, you probably know the results. We actually have votes to talk about in Iowa, and Trump wins Iowa bigly. Vivek Ramaswamy drops out and Asa Hutchinson somehow finishes in sixth place. And Asa Hutchinson somehow finishes in sixth place in a five-person race. Let's get right to our key metric which is pretty easy on a day like today, the results of the Iowa caucuses. Let's go through it from top to bottom. Donald Trump, a huge win over 50% of the vote that was sort of The benchmark everyone was talking about going into this race, 51% is where Trump finishes up. He gets 20 delegates. Ron DeSantis finishes second with 21.2% and eight delegates. Nikki Haley, 19.1% and seven delegates. And Vivek Ramaswamy, 7.7% and three delegates. It was, as expected because of the weather, lightly attended. About 110,000 people were out to participate in the caucuses, which is much, much lower than you would have expected it. They thought maybe they'd even get to 200,000 if the weather was normal, but it was not normal. It was very, very cold and still 110,000 people braved the elements to go out and vote. And if you kind of look as we do our candidate updates, you look at what people can take away from iowa number one is donald trump donald trump wins and he wins big there were a lot of polls showing him up near 50 percent of course all the other candidates were talking about their ground games and how they visited all the counties and it's sort of the same rhetoric you hear in many many campaigns from people who are behind in the polls but I don't know. I mean, the polls show pretty well here. Uh, You see 51% of the vote. I know the last Des Moines Register poll had Donald Trump at 48. He winds up really dominating the field. His people come out. They come out in force. If you've ever been to a Donald Trump event, you know this is true. And it continues to be true all the way through 2024, nine years after he initially announced for president back in the day. An impressive showing from Donald Trump, no, no doubt about it. And if you remember, in 2016, he lost the Iowa caucuses to Ted Cruz. So this is the first time he's won it. He, you can look at this and say, well, he's an incumbent candidate. He should be winning by a big amount. But if that's true, then we don't have a competitive primary. By all measures, this is an impressive showing by Donald Trump, and he continues his hold on the Republican Party. We all kind of knew that, though, coming in, right? We all knew that Donald Trump was likely going to win the Iowa caucuses. The question here was who was going to finish in second. Now, we went over all the polling yesterday on the program, but the average of polls going into this showed Nikki Haley with a slight lead. We told you about her late rise and why sometimes that's optimistic for candidates in Iowa, but we also told you we didn't quite buy it with Nikki Haley because of the underlying metrics. Um, You know, she's a candidate that is depending on a lot of soft support. People that aren't really dedicated to her campaign just sort of see her as the most plausible alternate to Donald Trump. Well, that sort of played out yesterday as Ron DeSantis and uh, his ground game, his organization in the state, was able to at least slide him into second place. With 21% of the vote. And what you can say about that is Ron DeSantis avoided catastrophe. He cleared the bar he had to clear. He did just enough to continue to go on. I think as we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, if Ron DeSantis finishes third in this race, after all of the resources he's poured into Iowa, it would have been catastrophic. Instead, he inches out Nikki Haley. It's not an impressive second place, but it is a second place finish nonetheless. Gives him a ticket out of Iowa, as he said last night. And honestly, he has something to complain about as well. The Associated Press called this race and they called it very, very early for Donald Trump. Many people hadn't even finished hearing the speeches at the caucuses before the race was called. Many people were on stage about to give speeches on behalf of Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley and got text messages about how the race was already over. This is a mess. As usual, the media is screwing this up. Would it have changed the outcome? No, I don't think it would have changed the order of candidates at all. But perhaps Ron DeSantis could have performed a little bit better and been a little bit closer to Donald Trump. Regardless, he finishes second. He does what he has to do. And clears that bar and is able to move on, likely to South Carolina as he's not really contesting the New Hampshire primary. Nikki Haley finishing in third with 19.1% of the vote. Not that long ago would have been an impressive showing for Haley. She wasn't really doing much in Iowa, but as she had a slow rise through the ranks, started to surge in New Hampshire, got a bunch of money behind her from a few super PACs, she was able to raise expectations. Sometimes that's really good. You like the expectations being higher because people start to get optimistic about your campaign. Of course, the problem here is you could also lose that expectations game. Haley sort of was seen as a potential second-place finisher here. Maybe she was even going to be close to Donald Trump. Some people believe that. Uh, We didn't, honestly, and we're not surprised here at State of the Race that Ron DeSantis was able to edge her out. But Haley gets this weird thing where She's able to rise in the polls. In fact, even pass Ron DeSantis in the Iowa polls, and then finish third. So it seems like um, a disappointment in a way. That's a tough road for Nikki Haley. But really, this state was never her end game. Her end game is New Hampshire, and she needs to go to New Hampshire and probably win New Hampshire, or at least come in a very close second, and then hope for the best in her home state. In South Carolina now we had Vivek Ramaswamy on the radio show yesterday and we talked to him about all sorts of things we talked to him about the future of his campaign his optimism level he has done more events in Iowa than anybody he's been all over the place in the snow really trying to excite particularly younger voters and you know he finishes with 7.7 percent of the vote In one way if you go back to the beginning of this campaign most people didn't know who vivek ramaswamy was unless you were maybe a glenbeck radio listener you probably had no idea who the guy was the fact that he finishes in fourth place with eight percent of the vote is not nothing he made a name for himself but of course this is a disappointing showing and it was so disappointing vivek ramaswamy immediately dropped out of the race saying he had no path to the presidency Uh, other than outlier sort of situations that nobody wants, uh, basically talking about maybe Donald Trump being thrown in prison. Um, And uh, Ramaswamy immediately then endorsed Donald Trump from the stage. What's interesting about this is I I think the typical rhetoric from a candidate, you hear this all the time, is, oh, we're going to win. Oh, we've been all over. You don't understand our ground game. We're going to get everybody out there. And I don't think most of them really believe it. Most of them look at the polls and say, crap, we're in real trouble. What do we say to make this better? However, Vivek Ramaswamy, it was interesting talking to him yesterday. He was more critical probably of Donald Trump than I've heard him in the entire campaign. And if he was just planning to lose and immediately endorse Trump, um, it was a weird approach because, of course, he's being talked about as the potential vice presidential candidate. Maybe somebody who can be in, you know, a cabinet role or an elevated role in the government. Um, It's not really consistent with someone who is planning on dropping out hours later. But he uh, this all happened. He said he didn't expect to drop out. The showing was disappointing. Maybe he did believe all the hype of the ground game. And he is now gone and is endorsing Donald Trump. Most of his vote will go to Trump. Uh, That is, uh, you know, be very consistent. Uh, In in the polling, if you look at the underlying data in the crosstabs, that's pretty consistent throughout with Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, the the next one, and and this is just uh, sad, frankly. Asa Hutchinson has been running for president the entire time. He was a governor of Arkansas. He was at one time relatively well-known and decided to run for president. Now, he's not made an impact in this race. We kind of knew that from the beginning. We did an event for the Blaze in Iowa very early on. He did not do well with the crowd and has not excelled in this race by any means. He's been basically by himself, flying coach all over Iowa and New Hampshire, trying to do something, trying to be some sort of like Hail Mary option for people when they eventually quote unquote realize they don't want Donald Trump to be president. That's all known. Everyone knew he was going to do poorly in Iowa. What we did not know is that he would lose to Ryan Binkley. Now, Ryan Binkley is not a guy we've talked about very often. He has been in the race for a while. He's a pastor from Dallas, and he's been running in Iowa trying to get up votes. Well, he got 0.7% of the vote. Not very good. However, Asa Hutchinson got 0.2% of the race, meaning that Asa Hutchinson actually finished in sixth place in a race where really only five people were talked about as potential candidates that's not good i will say the good news is for asa he did edge out chris christie who's no longer in the race by a tenth of a percent and that is something to hang your hat on well our key metric today was the results so today's focus is also basically the results we will go a little bit deeper and let me just give you one little piece of perspective before we go because i know we spent a lot of time on the results and the candidate updates but Let me look at the CNN entrance polls. These are like exit polls, basically, but in a caucus, they grab you on the way in and try to get your opinion as to what you're going to do. And there's a couple interesting things. First of all, the numbers are really, really good for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, of course, won among Republicans. Now, Republicans made up about 82% of the people who were caucusing, and he won that uh, by about 30 points over Ron DeSantis. It's also interesting, though, is the 16% of caucus goers who were independent, they also went to Donald Trump. 42% for Trump, 34% for Haley, 12% for Ramaswamy, and only 8% of Ron DeSantis. And the approach of DeSantis essentially running to the right of Donald Trump is something that people will talk about for a while. Was this the right approach? Now, I happen to be someone who thinks you should run as who you are. <laughs> if you. If DeSantis is a conservative, and he is, he should run as a conservative and run on his record. But strategically, this is going to be something people look at for a very long time. As far as age goes, Donald Trump won every single age group from 30 and up. He dominated uh, with older voters by 37 points. He won uh, voters between 30 and 44 by 13 points. Uh, Voters between 45 and 64 by 33 points. The only age group he lost were younger voters, which split over four candidates pretty evenly. But Ron DeSantis was the winner of the 17 to 29 uh, age group uh, by the, about five points over Nikki Haley, Donald Trump finishing third. If you had decided on your candidate a long time ago, Donald Trump won easily 58% to only 18% for Ron DeSantis. So this whole build up with months and months and months and months of Ron DeSantis trying to bring his message to Iowa really just did not work for a very long time. Now, DeSantis did slightly eke out voters, the 20% of voters who made their decision in the last few days. He won that by a few points, but not nearly enough to make up the difference from a massive loss to Donald Trump with voters that had made their decision earlier on. But here's the thing I think is the focus here, and this is something that is going to be interesting and look back at, I think, for a long time among political campaign nerds. Do you think Joe Biden legitimately won in 2020? For a second, take out your opinion on that matter. Forget your opinion on that matter, whether you think Biden was legitimately elected in 2020 or not. And think about the strategy of how that information has been presented over the past couple of years basically when people were asked if biden won in 2020 legitimately about two-thirds said no he didn't about one-third said yes he did and what's interesting about that is the people who said yes he did win legitimately in 2020 they went almost entirely to other candidates than donald trump 53 percent voted for haley 29 percent voted for desantis Uh, And only 11% voted for Donald Trump. But of the two-thirds of the electorate who thought Joe Biden stole the election, well, they went overwhelmingly to Donald Trump, 69 to 17. And you might say, well, that's pretty obvious. That's what you'd expect to happen. But what I'm talking about here is the approach of these other candidates this entire time. Most of them either didn't talk about the 2020 election at all or basically sided with Donald Trump, said, hey, yeah, it was kind of stolen. There were shenanigans that went on there. There were all sorts of problems. And the Republican machinery over the past few years has largely been on that side of that issue. Again, taking out what you actually feel or think, whether it's true or not, you know, these politicians largely never care about the truth anyway. The approach of embracing the stolen election rhetoric makes it almost impossible To beat Donald Trump because if you believe the election was stolen in 2020 well then he kind of deserves another shot now doesn't he and I think that's how voters look at this situation you know you can go back and you can nitpick all sorts of things from the campaign from Haley or DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy or whoever you want to point to and you'll find problems you'll find issues with their campaign strategy and the way things went but at the end of the day fundamentally what voters seem to say over and over and over again is what happened in 2020 was a raw deal and the guy who was the victim of it deserves another shot he deserves to be back in the white house he should have been there in 2020 and therefore he should be back in there in 2024 to get another bite at the apple again what you think about this whether you think that's true or not doesn't really matter what matters here is the strategy And the strategy of embracing or at least not fighting back against the 2020 stolen election rhetoric makes it impossible to defeat Donald Trump. I think over and over again, people kept coming back to the well and thinking, well, you know, I don't have to come out and challenge the voters on this. I will just sit back and let Donald Trump collapse under his own weight. Well, that does not ever seem to happen. That strategy does not ever seem to work. In fact, You know, in the Republican primary, no strategy seems to work against Donald Trump. He seems to win over and over and over again. Will that happen in New Hampshire could be another question. This is a state that's built for Nikki Haley and her moderate voter profile. And Donald Trump has a chance of losing New Hampshire, though at the end of the day, that might not make much of a difference to the end result of this race. This has been State of the Race. We'll have another episode probably later on this week as we get closer to New Hampshire. But for now, Iowa goes to Trump. DeSantis and Haley move on. Vivek drops out. There's plenty more to talk about, and you're going to have plenty of opportunities to hear me talking about it today. I will join you on the radio show as usual, of course, Glenbeck Radio. I'll be on with Megan Kelly today on her show talking about the election. We will also be on the news and why it matters later on. And, of course, Stu Does America tonight. Very, very busy day. Thanks for joining us on State of the Race.